Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of What in the World. My name is Jake Lee and I'm your host to this podcast where we explore what God is doing um, with stories around the globe, but also stories of what's happening here in Wisconsin and the United States. And what's really fun today is we get to listen to an interview I got to have with Lionel. This is part one of two. And Lionel is a Cameroonian church planter in Germany. And what's really cool is he has stumbled upon some unique ways of doing church that honestly would kind of flip what we're doing here at Elmbrook upside down. But we've also been able to have this mutual learning from him over the years where he at one point came here with part of the International Center that Mel ran, and also he sent someone from his church to visit James Place, which we're going to talk a little bit about in this episode. But then also now he's stumbled across something that is happening in Germany, a successful church plant that is reaching people, which Germany, you can make an argument, is more postmodern than America and more secularized. And yet he is having huge success where in America we're seeing most of our churches die. And so I think it's a great opportunity to learn from someone who is a foreigner in a different foreign country than where we are and having success in how, seeing people come to know Jesus and seeing a church grow and not just grow, but flourish and have massive levels of involvement. So yeah, today I'm excited to hear a little about his story and we're gonna hear about how he was called in this first episode and then hear a little bit about his German context. Now let's uh, switch over before we dive into the interview and hear one cultural blunder from Lionel. One of the one of the blunder I've experienced was um, in my in my years as a student in Germany as a mechanical sciences. I mm -hmm. studied mechanical science before I went to seminary. Were you going to be an engineer? Yeah. Okay. They were speaking about uh, what happens when you pull on a body. And the word for pull is the word for train too in German. So train and pull. And pull, it's the same. That's confusing. <laughs> so it's Zug in Germany. Yeah. So Zug may mean pull or it may mean the train. So in the West, they were thinking about how much do the do a curve growth when you pull at it and, and, and when does it come to the point of break? And in my mind, I tried to figure out how this happened with a train. And we had 2,500 people there in this class. Yep. And I raised my hand, tried to ask the question like, uh, how does that work? And he gave me, and I stand up and I boldly say, yeah, but I don't just understand how you can have a train that is elastic and everyone starts to laugh there and I don't even understand why they're laughing. <laughs> yeah, and um, this is like one of many issues I've had in Germany um, about languages and culture. I really enjoy that. No, I mean, so, and that's a, a very common thing too. It's like whenever it is not your native tongue or your yeah. mother language, it's like when you're in a new place, especially as a student too, you're trying to learn there's so many complex parts of language that you can just mess up on that are simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, English is the same in the sense that we have knight and knight. Yeah. I mean, and that word can mean like knight in shining armor, but also it's night. It's not daytime. It's not daytime. And we have various words like that, that for foreigners um, or someone that doesn't speak English and as an original language, it can be very confusing. Oh, yes, it is. Could you describe to me your calling to what led you from becoming an engineer 
into wanting to go to seminary and become a pastor? Oh, yeah. But I think as I was engineer on my way to become an engineer, I, I've already felt this call to be a pastor. It started as I was a young boy, 17, 18 years old. I became a Christian with 16, and my parent was not. Also, where, where, where was that? In Cameroon, okay. my home country. And I turned out being a Christian there, the first in my family. And um, with 17, 18, I've just experienced how Jesus um, saved my parents, took my parents to mm. how they became a Christian and how this literally saved their marriage mm. and our family. Now, that my parents are still married today, yes. it's just because of Jesus. And to see how Jesus was able to work so powerfully in my family with 17, it just gave me the feeling there is nothing more, there is nothing else I want to do. But coming from my background, being the firstborn and um, being the only male child, um, I shared a lot of responsibility and this is not a step I could have just taken that easily. Because we also have a family business, stuff like that. So it was not an easy step then for me. And um, so this is why I first decided to go and follow the plan um, my family have always had about me. And this was becoming an engineer and take over the family business sure. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and provide for that. So this is why I came to Germany, like um, to follow this plan. Um but as I was doing this in Germany, and I still felt in me there was something more, um, I was also investing in a lot of ministry. I was doing youth ministry by the time. Mm-hmm. And my aunt, who was in, living in Germany and who became a Christian while I was there, told me one day, maybe we need to think about going to seminary because I see you have far more passions for all those ministry work than you have for being an engineer. Think about it. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, having her telling me that, uh, she was like a kind of role model, gave me the yeah. courage to say, okay, maybe I should step into that. Um, and this is how I moved from becoming an engineer. And 2009, I went to seminary and I started there and I, I got my Master of Theology there. And so... During that time, um, we, we talked a bit yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's also where you met your wife. Yeah. And then you, from that experience in seminary, also felt the need to become a church planter. Yes. And then somewhere in there, who did you get connected with that got you connected to Elmbrook at some point? Oh, I got connected to Elmbrook as I was already in church planting. So, um, so move from seminary to church planting because just of the situation and the needs in Germany, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to understand, I went to seminary <clears throat> because I just wanted God to use me to save more people, mm-hmm. like my family. So, And church planting seemed to be the way. As I was already in church planting, I, I've been part of Mosaic. This is um, a movement multicultural church planting, network for multicultural church planting in, uh, it was in the Frankfurt area. And I think it was during the um, refugee crisis. Mm. There was a church, in fact, in Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, who was reaching out to ministries in Germany 
who are working with the refugees. Sure. So they got in touch with our network. And the mission pastor of this church was a good friend of Tom Kepler. Mm. So he came and he saw what we did. And the next time he came, he brought Tom Kepler with him. And we were just starting with our church planting. It was 2016. It was our very first months of church. So you were very, very early on. It was very, 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 very early on. So our church is seven years old now. It was like right at the beginning. And uh, 2017, I was here at the International Center. Wow. When in the world. In this section of the podcast, we look back in time at the stories that God has allowed Elmer Church to be part of. In this specific one in the world, we're going to look on the travels of Elmer's mission pastor, Val Hayworth, and his wife, Susan, in an article written in 1992. As the Airloft TU-154 touched down, Susan and I looked in vain for some indication that we had arrived at our destination. Air terminals were becoming nameless, it seemed, because the Soviet names of cities were being changed back to those of more ancient times. The old ones had been removed, the new ones not yet installed. Frunze was down, Bershkek not yet up. Tanya and Sleva were waiting on the tarmac for us. In spite of our inabilities to speak each other's languages, communication was not a major problem. However, we kept our Russian slash English dictionaries handy and in use. The first event on our schedule was an evangelistic rally. It was held in the city soccer stadium within sight of the White House, quotation marks, of the Republic of Kyrgyzstan. 5,000 people attended. This is the first public evangelistic service to be held in Central Asia in 70 years, announced the evangelist as he began his message. It was obvious that the military did not know what to make of the situation since two riot control vehicles maneuvered into a highly visible position during the service. However, the soldier seems to relax as the preaching continued. When the invitation was given, nearly 1,000 people moved forward to the grassy field to speak to counselors. It was the first religious service Slava had ever attended. The story gives us a glimpse into the time when the Soviet Union fell, and Elmbrook was given the opportunity to see what was happening. What was happening with the gospel? What was happening in this part of Asia? And we got to just hear the first evangelistic service held in 70 years in this part of the country, where it was previously barred and banned. From this point in history until now, Elmbrook has had the great privilege of being involved in this part of the world. This has been One in the World. So you were part of the last international center we had officially at Elmbrook. We've done one that was a reunion over mm. Zoom. COVID obviously uh, kind of changed how that all functioned. But like you were someone who had a relationship with Tom Kepler, and if anyone doesn't know, Tom uh, served as the mission pastor for mm. a period of Elmbrook's history. What was that experience like for you coming to Elmbrook? I mean, you were already you were already international. Like you were a Cameroonian yes. who moved to Germany to study engineering, ended up going to seminary, and then is planting churches in Germany. But what was it like coming to the U.S. and coming to Elmbrook Church? It was. Uh this international center, it was a great time. It was my very first time to come in the U.S. by this time. Uh, since then, I came back two times, but it was very my, my very first time. So it was my first experience with America and uh, American churches. And, uh, well, when you compare with Germany, 
um, there's a lot of big differences. You know, in Germany, really. a mega church in Germany is 500 people. This is a mega church to us. So like, um, and and then the size is different. And um, to see how the church functions was very different. Mm. What what I, what I'll see or what I will know, and. But I will say from the international center, it was such a great time of connection, of relationship. The people with whom I've been in the international center, still a WhatsApp group uh, today. I, I have to say I'm not the best contributor in our group, <laughs> but I always know what happens and what's going sure. around. And uh, it has just been being connected with a lot of um international leader doing amazing mm-hmm. things all over the world um through Edinburgh. this was really good it's like it's 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 like a it's like a world leader reunion in mm-hmm. Edinburgh church and this facilitates contact cross cultural contact and and i think when you are there as an international leader um you you have just another understanding for each other because uh, you just know, you, you just you, you just know how what church is in a non-Western world sometimes, and so you have a, a very big common base. I was able to figure out about a lot of area. I could continue to partner with some of the people that have been there. Yeah. I've tried to do something together, being in touch about a lot of stuff, and see where where God may lead stuff, and. Um, this was this. I would say this was the greatest riches in the in the in time. Just this connection, and that Elmbrook is a church that facilitates that. It was really cool. Yeah, and well, and that's the thing. What I like about the International Center is it's not and it hasn't been this thing of like you know let's talk about Elmbrook. We know everything, but it's really like you take these people from around the world who are these amazing Christian leaders across the world getting them together. And the most important part of that center has been the relationships, the connections between them. And we get to be part of it and learn from mm-hmm. you guys too, because there's so many different contexts and issues you're dealing with in different styles of ministries that you know could influence what we do or what you do. And mm-hmm. you can influence other people. And it's just like this huge collaborative network where we're all passionate about the same thing. We want to mm-hmm. see people come to know Jesus and see that kingdom grow here on earth. Hmm. but we all are going about it in unique and different ways and in different settings. Yes. So, okay. So the other thing you mentioned was this difference of like, you know, mega churches in America, obviously different than a mega church in Germany. And we'll talk more about that. Um, Cause I'd like to hear maybe some of your perspectives on some of your learnings about the American church or thoughts you might have about it. But the other thing that happened during the international center is you visited uh, James place and I'm just kind of curious because I know that's that's mm-hmm. part of the story I want to make sure I hit on. Mm-hmm. What happened uh, during that time, and what did that lead to in Germany? Oh, this was the gem place. It, it happens before the international center. Oh, this is before. It was before. Before we came to the international center, one lady from our church came here. Um, um, as there was this connection with Tom Kepler, yes, he just asked me the question in Frankfurt: What do you think we could partner in together? Mm-hmm. At the time. Living in a most international city in Germany, we have more, we have sixty five percent migration background. In the north area of our city, we are like by seventy eight percent 
children under three years old, we would be like 85% of them. Wow. Uh, migration background. In the whole city, you, ha- you just have 35% Germans. So German citizens. So the Germans are the largest minority in the city. And this is a very big thing. Then, um, And we also were in a city with a lot of needs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the second most indebted city in Germany and uh, one with the highest school drop-off rate of the state and stuff like that. So our heart was, how do we serve mm-hmm. this place? How do we serve these people as a new church? And Tom told me about what is happening here with James Places. Mm-hmm. And he said, this could be a thing where we learn each from each other. And so we sent Anika, a young girl in our church, who felt like she would like to do something like that. She came here. She saw what happened. And she came back by the end of 2016 and 2017. She started um, what we call Mind Anchor. Mm-hmm. It has been something like a community center, a place for a community to serve um, immigrants and people in need in our area. And the idea and the inspiration somehow came from James Place or from for her visit here. So when I came to the International Center, just strengthened the relationship we have already had yes. along the weeks. We're going. This was this was really good to be able to see that. It was really good for Anika because it gives her the courage to start something. For me, this podcast was really fun to record this part of the interview uh, for two parts. One is that part of my role at Elmbrook is overseeing James Place and to have it be involved in an international uh, church thing was really exciting. But two, just this mutual learning going back and forth, I think is such a beautiful example that we see with Lionel and his church, uh, where Tom Kepler went over there to get to know him. Uh, he then sent someone to James Place to learn how we were doing things. And we actually, I didn't mention this, but at Elmbrook, we had sent two of our staff to visit Uh, what was happening in Germany to see his church, to see this community work. Now he also came back for the International Center and now we're having a further conversation to hear how things are going and what can we learn from him and what he has stumbled upon in Germany that God has revealed to him. And it's just this really exciting mutual learning opportunity. And it's fun too, because at James Place, we deal a lot with immigrants. Uh, We have a lot of refugees and immigrants in our city, specifically in Milwaukee. I mean, the whole Milwaukee metro area, and that's a big part of what we do at James Place, providing pathways to citizenship. But also that's what his church is doing in Germany, specifically working with immigrants, which there are tons of immigrants in the city where he is located. And it's fun that we have this commonality, um, even though we're across the huge ocean. And so, yeah, I'm very excited about this first part. And I am also really excited for you guys to hear the second part of this podcast, where we dive a little bit more into what has his church actually stumbled upon. So tune in next time for What in the World.